But once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. Welcome back to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, guess who we have on the phone lines? We've got David, the man of God here. It's David. What's up, man? Not much. Living the dream. Staying, staying a little warm, even though it's not really that cold outside. Yeah. So tell us, David. This is kind of interesting. So at the beginning of the week, we got close to 12 inches of snow. You live in Syracuse, New York, which is basically the hotbed of snow. And you got how many inches? So far this week, we've maybe had six inches here in the city. And most of that's come overnight. An inch here, an inch or two, kind of earlier in the week. We yeah, had nowhere near a foot for the snow. Wow. Usually, that that's crazy, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because especially since it's winter and most people expect, you kind of think of Syracuse, we're in that snow belt, mm-hmm. or, you know, we get... A lot of lake effect snow, like tonight we're supposed to, here on Saturday night we're supposed to get some lake effect snow that's supposed to pile up, but yeah, I never thought that Northwest Ohio, Southeastern Michigan would be getting hit with a foot of snow and we would be just getting flurries. <laughs> that is true. So now we're going to talk about a little bit of NFL trades and... Winners and losers version of this. So, David, go ahead and give us your analysis on the NFL trades. All right, so we're going to stick with the big ones. And first, I would say the Detroit Lions have to be a winner. Not just because you got two first rounders and a younger quarterback, but I think the the mood and feeling in the locker room was that Matthew Stafford had to go. Like the controversy stuff between him and the comments of his wife, and just seemed as though, kind of when Matt Stafford, it seemed like he was in that hamster wheel. Of like he was putting up the numbers, he was putting up the statistics, but when it came time to kind of get over the hump, it's like, I mean, people were, were blaming. Oh, he didn't have the weapons. Oh, it's the defense's fault. That's, sometimes it was Matt Stafford's fault. Even though he was playing well, he wasn't doing enough for to kind of get his team the victory. Now, obviously, that's not wholly on him, but if you're the quarterback, if you are the face of the franchise, a lot of the buck has to stop with you. It can't just be the coach's fault. It can't be the coordinator's fault. You have to elevate your talent. And Matthew Stafford was just kind of in that hamster wheel. So I think kind of moving on from the Stafford era, a fresh start. I think Jared Goff, because he's younger and statistically he's comparable to a Matt Stafford, I think it'll be a good reset for Jared Goff. My only issue with Goff is we saw kind of him and McVay, when McVay was in his ear leading up to that Super Bowl, could do no wrong. 
kind of get all get all the pieces together, he was flowing. Without having Sean McVay in his ear, I'm wondering who is Jared Goff? Because we saw him struggle. We saw him inaccurate with some of his throws. We saw him with some of his decision making in the pocket, some of his pocket awareness. Like some of those intangibles of the quarterback position that we saw most notably exposed in the Super Bowl, but then as more and more tapes started to come out on him and he was forced to kind of make decisions on his own. And so going into a situation in Detroit where your head coach is relatively brand like well, not relatively, but brand new to head coaching, not having any experience, it helps that you have Anthony Lynn as an offensive coordinator that can kind of be in his ear and kind of be that, kind of, I guess, kind of de facto coach for him on the offensive side to kind of get him something similar to his relationship they had with McVay. But I'm just wondering kind of what's Jared Goff's upside? Because if you're, you know, top two pick, and we'll get to Wentz in a second, like both of those quarterbacks are like, eh, are they your face in your franchise? How far can they go? How far can they take? Um, thinking about another winner, I would honestly say that I think it's the L.A. Rams. I think they get a quarterback that is a veteran. I mean, he's not too old, but with his injury history, you just never know with Stafford. And they're priming themselves for a win-now situation. We've seen the past couple of years that the Rams, defensively, they're good. Like, they have that side of the ball figured out. They have the young running backs. They have the what the kind of receiving core. It's all been on the quarterback. And I think taking Matthew Stafford away, one, away from the cold of the Midwest, I think put him in a different situation, give him greener pastures, give him a fresh start. But then also put him on a team where there are legitimate playoff expectations. And let's see if, for all the years, these were Lions fans are saying, Stafford is a quarterback that can take us to the playoffs. Okay, let's put him put Stafford now on a team that was has been consistently in the playoffs the past couple of years. Let's see if it's him. Let's see if he's the quarterback that can take that next step. Because I think this this season and next season in particular are going to be two where it's show and prove, put up or shut up for Matt Stafford. Because the again the record has been okay. Matt Stafford kind of can only take you so far. So let's see if it's the organization problem or if it's a Stafford problem. What did Getting you think? What these, did you What did you think it was? Was it organization or Stafford problem? Honestly, I think I think it's a, it's I would say seventy thirty Stafford because you saw with all the different coordinators that they got and they kept changing the coaches and. So how's that, Staff- like, how's that Stafford's fault, though, if they're bringing in different coaches all the time? There's no continuity. Yeah, but kind of, I think, because, like, it's kind of a cyclical factor. Like, your quarterback is only going so far, so high, they reach this plateau. And so, kind of similar with most teams, like, they change the coaches to try to see if we can get them over the hump, if we can elevate the team, elevate the roster. But it seems as though the coaching rotation is happening but the roster elevation isn't. And so that's where I'm leaning, okay, if you are Matt Stafford offensively, 
Jeffy's showed in a lot of games kind of the comeback necessarily prowess. And it's good that she was able to kind of have this fourth quarter, you know, cardiac mentality. But what does that say when the first three quarters you were struggling offensively to need this fourth quarter, you know, resurgence and surge? So that's, that's where I come from. And I know kind of it's leaning, do you lean on the players or do you lean on the coach? I think the coaches can only game plan so much. It has to come down to execution. True. But at the same time, though, how many players have the Lions had that have careers have been wasted? Calvin Johnson's a Hall of Famer. Barry Sanders is a Hall of Famer. I mean, you, I think this is more of an organizational thing than Matt Stafford. I, I mean, you, you're firing coaches. Caldwell was a good coach. You fired him. Brought in Patricia. Seen what that disaster was. You know, never really gave him a solid running game. I mean, I think Stafford tried to do as much as he can with what he could work with. I mean, you say players execute, but what happens when the Lions aren't getting the players? So I think the unstability of the organization, unstability of the of, of, of carousel of coaches, and just at key positions to make them competitive. I mean, the years that he got to the playoffs, they had a really stout defense, which, which was great. And then the years they didn't, they didn't really have a great defense, or the line was bad, or you know they just didn't have really. They never really had a running game in Detroit, which was always odd to me. Was was like, dude? All you need is that running back, that bell cow, to get you get you some you know yards, milk the clock if you got a lead. But it just never seemed to happen there, and I, I don't understand why. I, I don't. I never can figure it out. I think the Bears and Lions are two storied franchises that you, you just scratch your head at. So do, I think it's more opposite. I say flip more of the Detroit organization than it was Stafford. And, and I can see that. And I know I've heard kind of conversations and the conversations have continued. And I'm sure Frank has some insights as well, just kind of thinking, like, it is this balancing act because you're trying to figure out where the organization is going, but then you bring in players, and then after we've seen particularly the last three drafts, now they're just overloading the running back room with young guys, and then you bring in Adrian Peterson. And so... Like, no one knows what they're trying to do. And I think that, like, to the organizational aspect, that lends itself to, okay, we're having all these young pieces, all these young offensive talent, but where is kind of, like, who's going to be that workhorse? It used to be Amir Abdullah when he was drafted out in Nebraska. Like, then they turned him into a gadget, kind of third-down pass-catching running back. And it's like, okay, and then it's, Okay, because you don't have a running game, and you're trying to do all this stuff out the backfield. Now you're loading up the box and sending in the blitz because you don't have a running game. So yeah, there's definitely a lot, lot more to to kind of consider. Definitely with Detroit situation. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think it kind of lies more on front office and management than Stafford. I'm not saying Stafford is without blame, but I mean, from watching the team, I know that he went out there, gave it it all. I mean, if he, I know he was, he'd go out there with an injury, he said, nope, if I can still move around, I'm going to play. And you know what? I can't really go, hey, pin it all on him trying to play hurt. 
But at the end, at the end of the day, I mean, you got to be able to execute come crunch time. Obviously, everyone's going to reference playoff game in Dallas where they picked up the flag. I know everyone's going to say that that was a whole, that was poor officiating. I I will agree with you to an extent, but you still got to play above that. And it didn't help that you only scored six points in the second half of that game. So that said, I think. I, I will say, David, that I agree that the Rams are basically in Super Bowl or bust now. You've got Stafford, a guy who, I mean, you want to say upgrade over Jared Goff, say what you will. He'll, he'll have some talent around him, him but also you got to keep in mind the Rams have got a ton of free agents they got to re-sign, and they're going to have guys that are due raises. I mean, uh, Leonard... Leonard Floyd, who I believe was picked up off of the scrap heap in Chicago, if I remember correctly, he's gonna he had a very productive year. He's gonna be doing a significant pay raise. Hey, it's plus you're already paying Aaron Donald a ton of money. And there's other guys on your defense too that they're gonna be due bi- they're gonna be due a lot more. And offensively, you're gonna have to replace uh I believe it's Andrew Whitworth on the offensive line because he's getting up there in years. Probably have to get somebody to replace him. Him, Robert Woods is going to be do a new deal. So I mean, it's pretty much if if the Rams don't don't win a Super Bowl or much less even get to one, then I will say it's going to be adios, Sean McVay, and everybody's going to go bye bye. You agree, David? How long though? Well, I think it's probably within the next two within the next two or three years. David, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, because McVeigh, he's a young coach, but he's kind of like again one of those coaches where he kind of has that young energy, kind of first couple of years, innovative, but then once teams have an understanding of what you're doing particularly in the offensive side of the ball, kind of do you lose a little bit of that luster? But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I guess my question the is, he, went, he got to a Super Bowl, and a couple years later you want to fire I mean, I know Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, and they fired him. But it's like, Jesus Christ, what's up with the firing stuff? Fire him. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of league. I mean, yeah, you get to a Super Bowl, you win one, but... We're not just going to say, hey, we got the Super Bowl or we won it and everything's going to be all ha-ha, happy horse bleep and when things go downhill, adios. You got to keep you gotta keep sustaining that level of success. I'm not saying you got to go and win the Super Bowl every year. I mean, granted, people might want that, but you at least got to be close to that competitive level. Right. That's gotta you reach you reach the top of the mountain. The expectation is is to at least get pretty damn close to that at, at, from here on out. Okay, I understand things might happen that you don't have control over, like your like for the Eagles' case, it might be your quarterback died, mm-hmm. not literally but figuratively, and you can't. You can't get that. You can't get back there again. Or you have guys who move on via free agency, here things like that. But the expectation still remains: get close to that level and do everything you can 
to get back to the top. Top. Otherwise, otherwise, if you keep falling further and further down, goodbye. Okay. David? Yeah, and I think kind of, and I guess we can kind of transition over to the Eagles cold straight. I think the writing was on the wall for Doug Peterson kind of long before this past season. I think kind of he had lost, I don't want to say lost the locker room completely, but you could start to see that there were cracks in the armor. And then particularly because um, Carson Wentz was Doug Peterson's guy, kind of went to bat for him, and then everyone remembers the whole scenario where Wentz got benched for Jalen Hurts and then, you know, threw a crybaby fit and that essentially caused Carson Wentz to leave. I think kind of... That's an organizational thing. I think that was a total organizational thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I would say primarily organizational kind of for the Eagles. But then also, like, and I've I've gone on record on the show saying that I just never thought Wentz, you know, was all that in a bag of chips. I thought kind of he he hurt himself for sure, kind of with his the way that he handled the whole situation of being benched, and then all the off the field kind of things, and the way that it just created an environment within the locker room. So, kind of thinking about their trade, I think honestly, I think the Eagles lost for sure. Like, yes, you got rid of Carson Wentz, who clearly did not want to be there anymore. But because last season you overpaid for him because you saw how much Jared Goff got, you saw how much, you know, all these other quarterbacks were getting, and so you wanted to, quote-unquote, lock up your guy for the long term. So you give him this ridiculously big contract a year before he was eligible to get kind of that contract extension at the end of his rookie deal. And so now you get a third-round pick this year, conditional. 22 second round pick that could turn to a first round pick depending on how much Carson Wentz plays the amount of snaps this upcoming season. But the reason I say that you lost is because, one, you definitely did not get a whole lot, and that's because of the front office situation and just the Carson Wentz drama. Teams were looking around like, we don't we don't want to touch out with a 10-foot pole, and that's even before you think about kind of the Eagles eating $32 million in dead cap money this year. And so you have a situation where you get two picks, no players in return, certain certain teams that we know need a quarterback. So like the Denver Broncos were like, sleep, no, we're not taking Carson West. And they, they don't have – they had a wide receiver practice guy come in and go up against Taysom Hill for a game just this past season. And so you get minimal in return. You have all this dead cap, so you really, you're kind of strapped for cash already as it is, so you can't really bring in someone to replace Carson Wentz. So now you're heaping a lot more pressure on Jalen Hurts, who I think can and should be the starter week one, but he's the only quarterback in the locker room right now. And so now you're in a situation at number six, you try to trade down to get some more draft capital, maybe get a veteran quarterback, who in a veteran quarterback for agency waiver wire can you bring in to mentor. I've heard some conversations, maybe this would be a good place for Tyrod Taylor to come in, or maybe Jacoby Brissett. Like, so there's some situations, but yeah, it's just 
this is not the kind of situation that you expect for a head coach in Nick Sirianni who is super young. There's no kind of veteran coordinator experience around him. This, it's like they have regressed kind of to what Frank was saying. Like they've regressed to a point where they're at the mountain, and now I don't even know if the Philadelphia Eagles, in a pretty crappy division, can even get to six wins next season. Like just because it's such a train wreck and you don't have any money to pay all these players. So now you're going to go, you know, bargain hunting. Like, it's it's a bad situation. Well, I think the Colts, uh, you're right, the Colts won. I think the, the problem um, Philadelphia, though, had also is that <laughs> they don't really fully believe in Jalen Hurts either. Um, now that Jalen Hurts looks like he's going to be the number one guy, now it's like, eh, I don't know. But then the, the Philadelphia put themselves in a hole by benching, basically forcing Peterson to bench him to see what Jalen Hurts brought to the table to see if he could replace Wentz. So now you're stuck holding the bag, basically. Last thoughts as we wrap this segment up. Yeah, and honestly, I thought, I thought the Colts, honestly, I think the Colts are a loser too because now you're, like now you have a Carson Wentz that, yeah, like if you can get Frank Wright to get into his ear to get him straight, but... At the same time, that's a lot to ask because now, yes, he has the offensive line. Yes, he has the offensive weapons. But even when he had that, Carson Wentz was still iffy, whether that's injury, whether that's, you know, trying to battle himself. And then, yes, you you know, he only gave up a little bit, but I don't know. Is, is it worth the gamble? And, and I don't know if it's worth the gamble, especially since the Colts are a legitimate playoff contender. Do you take that risk? And Frank Reich was like, "Let's roll the dice." Yeah, you got. Sometimes you got to risk it to get the biscuit. You know what I'm saying? Frank, your final final thoughts, and uh, we'll wrap up the segment. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the whole Deshaun Watson saga. As I've heard that Carolina is starting to throw their hat in the ring. Dave, this is the rumor I've heard. Frank, we got to keep it short. Okay. So and I just want I just want to hear David's thoughts on this. I've heard that Carolina is looking to send Christian McCaffrey and I believe at least two first-round picks, maybe three, to the Texans for Watson. Do you buy or sell that? I'm selling Watson should hold out, get his money. Okay, right. hold out, hold, get his money. And that's from David the Man of God here. It's coming up, the last segment of the show. You're going to have to explain yourself with this one, David, why the NCAA shouldn't have a March Madness. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, just suffice it to say, I mean, is money really everything? Mm. Well, we'll get a good 10 to 15 minutes discussion on that when you listen to 88.3 WCTs after further review. Oh, make sure you always check us out on SoundCloud. And on iTunes, AFR Sports Show, or after further review, Sports Show with a picture of Frank Vashner in the horse's head. Today, Frank's got on his Bedford gear with the Under Armour hat. And what shoes you got on Under Armour? No, my uh, red Nikes. He's got the red Nikes matching today as Bedford takes on Pickney at the Corral. 7 o'clock for varsity? Uh, yep. Freshman at 4, JV at 5.30, and Varsity at 7 o'clock. Okay, yeah, we'll check him out. It'll and be streamed on our Facebook page. Don't you usually work the stream? 
Uh, no, I'm usually on the bench with the iPad doing the stats. But I've seen you drop the camera before. That one game, you were on the road. I saw you. You were trying to work it, and then the camera just dropped. Uh, yeah, I got Yeah, apparently that mount that Jordan has is a little. It apparently doesn't work if you put the iPad in with the screen facing out, facing towards you, and having the camera shooting towards you. You have to either have the mount holding it from the screen side. But that just makes it tougher to shoot, obviously. Well, do you know how to actually work the mount, the tripod? I do. Come on. I, well, you could have been franking it up. I mean, it's just pretty geez. self-explanatory. Blow the dust off of that one. Yeah, I know. <sighs> anyway, we'll take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit about why March Madness, that's NCAA basketball, should be canceled next year on 88.3 WXUT.